Ben, come on up. I'm kicked off the thanks, stage. Thanks, thanks, appreciate it. Hey, my name's Ben. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm in recovery for alcohol, or another way to say that is I can't drink like a normal person, or another way to say that is I'm an alcoholic. And to admit that to quite a few years, and it's funny, we're talking about admit tonight. So let me pray for us and we'll hop right into things. Heavenly Father, thank you that you change our lives. Thank you that you don't allow anything to happen by accident, but by your design. And I pray tonight that you would teach us, that you would remind us what it is we need to admit, but more importantly, that you would remind us that you love us, no matter where we are, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, you love us exactly as we are. Praise in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A long time ago, in a land, it's really where the admit part started to take place. A long time ago, in a far, far away land, actually not too far away, it was only in Manteca, so that's a few minutes. I was a junior in high school, and one Saturday night, some friends of mine and myself decided to grab some drinks and go play some basketball. And by drinks, I don't mean soda pop. And we started playing basketball and having a great time. And of course, we got hungry. And so we decided then to hop in the car and drive down to McDonald's, or I drove us down to McDonald's. And it was still only one McDonald's in Manteca, I think, at that time. It was the old days. And while we were there, my friends in the backseat of the car decided, you know what? We got time while we're waiting for the chicken nuggets. We're just going to have some more to drink. And so they did. And as we got ready to pull out, what I didn't realize was that some of the people working inside McDonald's thought it would be really fun if they would call the police to let them know, hey, there are some yahoos that are drinking in the drive-thru and they're getting ready to leave with their chicken nuggets. And so as we pull out onto the main street, we hear the whoop, whoop, and all of a sudden I see the lights and we pull over. And here I am in Manteca, which everyone knew everyone at that point. And I'm like, oh my gosh, everyone's going to see us on the side of the road. And they made us all get out and we poured everything out, even what was in the trunk. And then they said, okay, Mr. Kelly, here's your ticket. You have a great night. And I was like, why am I the only one who gets a ticket? And anyways, then we drove off and had the rest of our evening, which wasn't quite as fun. But a few weeks later, I went to court, and when I was there, I was standing before the judge. It was just a weird feeling. I felt like it was not even happening. I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, he says, hey, Mr. Kelly, or Ben K, sorry about that. Ben K, how do you, how do you plead for a ticket of an open container? And I said, you know, what happens, what happens if by chance I am guilty? What then? And he says, you'll lose your license for an entire year. And just involuntarily, like just as when I eat vegetables, like involuntarily, it just comes right out. Um, I just blurted out of my mouth. I'm like, not guilty. And with, like they say, a furrowed brow and like a bit of disgust, he looked at me and said, okay, be back on such and such a date. And for the next like month or so, however long it was, man, I was one worried cat. Just thinking, how am I going to tell my parents what happened? 
How am I going to tell my coaches about what happened? You know, the people at church, what are they going to begin to think when they find this out? It was terrifying. What were my parents going to do to me? How was I going to get around town? When I was that age, I began to realize that when I keep secrets, when I fail to admit the truth about the dysfunctions in my life, it takes an incredible toll upon me. It can take an incredible toll upon you. It can affect you physically, mentally, relationally, and of course it affects us spiritually. God did not design us to live in secret. He created us to experience freedom. And when we live a life of secrecy, when we fail to admit the dysfunction in our life, we experience bondage. But it's a strange type of bondage because we're tying our own hands. No one else is. We're failing to admit that dysfunction. Living with lies affects our self-respect. I remember going to youth group when I was that young kid and thinking, if only these people knew the type of person that I really was, man, they would be disgusted. That's what I used to think. And just as a side note on that, um, I was sharing with an individual I was with uh, a couple weeks ago, and the church, this place, Sunday mornings, whatever night you come to church, even if you're like a seven-day-a-week church person, it's the wounded helping the wounded at the church, okay? No one has it all together. And if you find yourself thinking you do, then you're in the right place right now. Living with lies saps our energy. I remember not wanting to do anything, not wanting to go to practice, not even wanting to eat, just wanting to just go to sleep. Because when I was asleep, I didn't think about it. But living with lies also keeps us in bondage to all of our codependent and addictive habits. I remember being so freaked out at times, I decided that I'm just going to start chewing. That's a great thing to do. Going from one thing to another. I would never choose the right thing in my life when living with unconfessed sin or failing to admit my wrongs. And when we're living a lie, when we fail to admit the things that we are wrong in, it's living with unconfessed sin. And it's like a, a raging inferno inside of us. In step five of the 12-step process, we admit to God, we admit to ourselves and to another person the exact nature of our wrongs. And that's just a crazy statement in general, the exact nature of our wrongs. When I sin, as Pastor Scott talked about a couple weeks ago with Adam and Eve, when I sin, my first inclination is not just to say, this, this is the exact nature of my wrong. This is exactly what I did. Even in that moment before the judge, it was like, if I was guilty. <laughs> when I get caught, even now, I still struggle to admit the exact nature of it. As a kid, I did this. My dad would say, even after I ate all the cookies, he'd be like, Benny, did you eat all the cookies? And I'd say, oh, I ate some. <laughs> I couldn't even admit it. And it's, I think it's funny not funny, but I think it's why the courts even say, do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? They say it three times because they know, like most of us, 
we rarely offer up the truth. We rarely do. So when we get to this fifth step, there is a, a collision that's taking place. It's the, our learned behavior and our inability to tell the truth is colliding with the fifth step in God's word that says, admit, confess. And sometimes there can be fallouts. And some of you may be asking, well, Ben, why should I even follow this step? Why would I even want to continue this process? Well, I believe the Bible commands us to. And I believe the steps take their cue from God's word. I truly do. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. When we confess our sins to another person, when we admit our wrong, when we admit who we are, healing takes place. It's amazing. Healing takes place. The Bible promises that. I remember when I confessed or when I admitted my inventory to my sponsor, I began to find healing. When we admit the things, the stuff in our life, healing takes place. And God's word says that. I remember when I was in junior college, I worked as an auto dismantler. <clears throat> and it was great. I got to learn about cars and parts and tools. And one day as I was pulling an engine out, I cut my arm, the underside of the arm that, you know, is softer. And I was like, oh man. And so I grabbed some paper, whatever was there, and some tape and just taped it up and didn't tell anybody for a few days. And then one night I was at home, my wife and I had been married for about a year. I was like, babe, my arm really hurts. And she's like, well, let me see it. And so I unwrapped it and there was this red line like starting here and going up my arm. And she's like, oh my gosh, you got an infection. You're going to die. And it's going to go to your heart. And I was like, oh. But when I finally admitted the pain in my life, I was able to find healing. And as dumb as that sounds, that's the self bondage we put ourselves in. We tie our own hands so often. We gain healing when we admit Second, we gain freedom. Galatians 5, 1, if you don't know this verse, and perhaps you do, but memorize it. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection brings freedom to you, to me, to us. You know what does not bring freedom? Secrets, unconfessed sin, as I said, it does the opposite. It creates bondage in our life. Admitting our wrongs to ourself, to another human being, brings incredible freedom. And just human nature in general, we, we want to be known. There's part of us that wants people to know what we're thinking, what we're feeling. And sometimes we need to go a little bit further and admit even where we're struggling, even where we miss. Third, we gain support. When we share our inventory with someone, they are there to support you, not to belittle, not to condemn. Some of us may have experienced only heartache from others. People betraying us. So we, it's hard for us to trust, perhaps. It's hard for us to be honest about life. And that's where I start to go back to where the steps support the word and you find Jesus within them. Because it's a spiritual battle as you work these steps. 
John 10.10, and I know I talk about this verse often, it says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the enemy, Satan. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and you may have it to the full. The enemy wants you to remain in isolation, to keep things hidden, not to admit the struggles that you really have. But Jesus offers freedom. He offers freedom to us. And when we share our inventory, we find support. And we find that God allows us to be around people helpers, not people enablers. And for much of our lives, perhaps we were looking for those who would help enable us, not those who would support and help remedy the problems that are in our life. So two weeks ago, Scott talked about confession, and tonight we're talking about um, admitting and admitting our inventory as we do in step five, step four. We, we took that hard look at our life and wrote down the wrongs that were done to us and the ways that we have wronged others. And now we're talking about how do you admit those things in our life? And so here's how you do it. You may be thinking, man, what does that even look like? Number one, choose someone as the same sex as you. This is just like finding a sponsor. Share your inventory with someone who you trust. Hopefully your sponsor. Hopefully as you begin working these steps, you found a sponsor and you can share with them, this is my inventory, this is all my stuff. If you don't have a sponsor, let me encourage you to find one. You can, you know, how do you do that? Go to OpenShare. Stay after a dessert, get to know some people. Make sure there's someone who loves the Lord and is following the Lord and trying to work the steps in their life, who has shared their inventory before. And then set an appointment with that person to share your inventory. Mark out like two to three hours. And I guarantee you, as I said, it's a spiritual battle as we work these steps. When you set that appointment to meet with your sponsor and you're like, October 17th is gonna be the time I share my inventory. I can almost guarantee you that things are going to come up. The tire is going to fall off the car as you're driving. The baby's carriage is going to like woggle back and forth. All kinds of weird things are going to happen. You're going to get a toothache. Be rigorous about making that meeting, knowing that the enemy is going to attack. That's what happens. And in doing this, man, you start experiencing freedom. You may ask, Ben, what happens in that meeting when I'm sharing my inventory? Well, first of all, you start with prayer. You pray, asking God to give you courage, asking God to give you joy, and asking God to give you strength. Let your sponsor pray for you, for him or her as they listen, to be a support. And then share your inventory, keep it balanced, sharing your positives, and your negatives, knowing that God made all of you. Did you know that God created you just like he wanted to? He didn't create you perfect. He created you in all your strengths and in all your weaknesses so that your strengths would be used for his glory and that by your weaknesses, you might be drawn closer to him. So share both of those and then end in prayer. And that's it. That's how you share your inventory with someone. That's how you admit the wrongs in your life and freedom begins to take place. 
And why? Because we're no longer in bondage to our sin and our secrets. We admitted what we struggle with. Matthew 5, 8, the Beatitudes Jesus is sharing. And he says, blessed are the pure in heart. Some translations say happy, but blessed are the pure in heart. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means you're pure. There is no longer unconfessed sin or secrets. God knows and someone else knows. What an incredible freedom that is. And it's found in no other place than in Celebrate Recovery, I think. I've done a lot of church work over the years. And when I walk into this place, it's a little bit uneasy. But at the same time, man, is it free. And people are okay with being fully known for who they are. That happens in no other place. You want to know something that's interesting about that ticket long, long time ago when I was in high school? I kept that secret from my parents for six years. For six years. How am I doing on time? I don't have a clock anywhere. I'm good on time? Okay, give me like the two minute or something or three minute. Okay, Beth, thanks. I didn't tell him for like six years. And so six years, I never told him what happened. And you may wonder what happened. And so I'll tell you the rest of the story. Um, I, after trying to live the party life in high school for a little bit, I decided that, you know, God, you need to have my life. And so for one of the multiple times, I gave my life back to the Lord because it belongs to him anyways. And uh, God began to work in my life. And I sought his forgiveness and I sought his leadership. And, and of course, God forgives us of our sins. Um, but the consequences are still there. It's just the way things go, all right? And I remember one evening, I was with those same friends and I told them, I said, listen, guys, I should not have done what I did. And I want to, to try to pursue the Lord with my life. Um, and so that was an honoring to Jesus, to him or to the others or to my parents or to even you. And I told them, if I lose my license for a year, it's what I deserve, Okay, it's just what I deserve. But I still struggle to admit it to my parents. And a few weeks later, I went to court again, and I actually had those same friends come with me. And I said, hey, even though I got the ticket, you gotta come with me. And so I made them ditch school, which <laughs> seems weird. How do you find, I, it was a strange time in my life, and it still is strange. So we're all there. I don't know what the judge was thinking. All these high school kids just sitting in there while school's going on. Um, and they called me up front, and I sat in this chair, and the judge said, hey, Ben Kay, uh, are you ready uh, to, to share whatever you're going to share? And I said, yes, I am, fully expecting you know, the worst. And he said, well, the officer who gave you the ticket is not here. And so therefore, we are going to drop the tickets. Um, and that was it. And I was like, what? You know, kind of like, okay, okay. And like my friends were like, let's go, get out of here. And you would have thought there was a tremendous freedom and there was relief. But the freedom didn't come till six years later, till I was able to sit with my folks and tell them this is what happened and admit my wrong. And I remember that like it was yesterday. It was the fourth tee box at Manteca Golf Course when I told my dad. And he was still mad, okay? <laughs> it was Christmas at my mom's house when I told her. 
You see, it's not the lack of consequences that bring freedom. It's the honesty that brings freedom. That may frustrate you a little bit, but it's the truth. I was just talking with Matt um, a few weeks ago about how the mistakes and the consequences in our life have brought healing that would have never taken place otherwise. And since that moment, I've had other moments in my life when I've failed to admit and I've had to struggle with the consequences that were even far greater than that. But it didn't diminish, diminish the freedom that I felt. And that's the miracle of the fifth step in sharing your inventory with another person. You admit your wrongs. And when that happens, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. I think there's a Bible verse about that. That's probably a worthy study for us. But tonight, I just want to end with this question, um, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would make the application in your life. What is it that you need to admit this evening to the Lord and to you, and perhaps to another person? I'm not talking about sharing your whole inventory, but what is keeping you in bondage right now? Is it admitting um, that you really do struggle with whatever addictive behavior it is or codependent behaviors that you have? Is it just like for me, the first time I came to CR, just admitting the fact that I'm a liar? I don't tell the truth. For some of us, it may be admitting for the first time, Jesus, I need you to be my Lord and Savior. And if that's you, I would encourage you just to say that. Jesus, I need you to be my Lord and Savior. And I don't understand it all yet, but I know that I'm a sinner and that you're not. And so to the best of my ability right now, I surrender. Make me into the person you want me to be. For some of us, um, it may be admitting these are just all the things that I have to admit, so that's why I'm saying them. So don't think like I'm talking directly to you, but the Holy Spirit could be talking to you, not me. And admitting that I know what I need to do, but I just have to do it. And I have to stop making excuses. And I need to finally tell someone that I'm just being lazy. For some of us, it's taking that next step and giving back in our recovery. Maybe that's sponsoring, maybe that's sharing your testimony, maybe that's facilitating. For some of you, for many of you here, it's attending the leadership retreat. Oh, but Ben, I'm not leadership retreat. Yeah, you are. You are. And for some of you, that's the next step in God molding and shaping your life in order for us to give our recovery back. And so if you at any moment, as Scott was talking about that retreat, and you're like, huh, that may be you and God saying, you need to think deeply about going. I don't know what it is for you, but I know that uh, life is much more freeing when we finally admit it, when we finally admit it. And that's because that's what God's word says. James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another. You may be healed. Galatians, for freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Amazing things that God's word talks about, but amazing things that it promises us, the principles it teaches us. 
Anyways, that's what I uh, wanted to share with you guys tonight. Why don't you stand, and we're going to uh, read the serenity prayer to get together. And again, that's the focus question tonight is, what do you need to admit? That's the focus question, really simple. So uh, let's, let's uh, yeah, let's, let's read this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever and the next. Amen. Amen. Let's go to group.